What's up, homie? How are you? So you want to get started? Yeah, we can get started. All right, cool. Um, how did Willie Will help you out with an internship opportunity for the first radio station you ever worked at? And then uh, working promotions, finally getting on air. How was that process early on in Carolina? Uh, well, Willie Will, Willie Will was this guy that I used to, um, actually, I used to, you know, we, everybody dabbled in music back in the day a little bit. So I used to, hold on a second. Hold on a second. I'm on the phone. So I, you know, I used to dabble in music a little bit back in the day, and um, I met him at a studio, a recording studio, and uh, I just asked him. I was like, you know, because I knew he was on the radio. I said, Yo, how do you get in the radio? And he was like, I got an internship. And I was like, so I was like, it's just that easy. I can go down there and get an internship. And he was like, yeah. And I was like, oh, so I went down there and I got an internship. You know, this is 1998, and I, you know, maybe South Carolina is a little, a little bit more relaxed as far as like you know having to be in school and stuff like that because you know here in new york you got to be in school and you have to get credit yeah but you know in 98 in charleston South Carolina, it wasn't like that so um i just basically was an intern i used to do all the grunt work you know go get the, go get the radio personalities food you know go with them to their different live remotes and you know help them set up the live remotes give out prizes to the listeners um <laughs> and then you know a lot of times when i would come back from doing the remote i would just actually just sit in there with Willie Will or sit in there with any radio personality that would allow me to. And um, I remember having a conversation with a guy named uh, Ron. Well, after 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 a while of interning, they actually hired me in the promotions department. So I basically was still doing the same intern work. I was just getting paid for it. And um, Ron White, who was the music director at D93JN at the time, he just told me one day in an event, he was like, Yo, you ever thought about being on the radio? Mm-hmm. And, you know, maybe I think I might have expressed interest to in him about being on air, and he was like, I was like, yeah. And I was like, he was like, all right, yo, I'm, I'm, I'm a voice, I want you to voice track this Saturday because we're looking for, you know, personalities. Yeah. And um, I voice tracked, and the rest is history. I, um, so, me being from New Jersey and you from Carolina, do you think it was easier for you to get an internship in the uh, lower markets? Not knocking you or anything like that, but it was it's pretty difficult now to get an internship. Like, I had an interview with Sway, but it fell through because uh, this girl told me that... Uh, like the girl who works for uh, Sirius, she said she doesn't know the reason why. They didn't give a reason why, but it could be because I was a liability and uh, I have a blog website. And I already did previous interviews with people like Angela Yeh, Mac Wild, and they thought I was going to take people off their show and try to interview them, but I wouldn't have done that because I'm professional. But it just kind of that that kind of made me angry and bitter. But there was like uh, there's a million stories that you got where you got fired four times, where you were, you know what I mean? People, the program directors are, are firing you left and right, and. Uh, I guess it's just the way the business is, and I guess it makes you stronger in a way. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, um, you know, I, I tell I tell kids all the time, especially whether they're up here or not, because, I mean, all I know is the lower market, because that's where I'm from. I'm from South Carolina, so yeah. that's why I started. But I tell kids all the time, you know, just because you're in New York or you're in Philadelphia or Chicago, man, you got you, you to gotta follow your dream. You got to follow your passion. If you don't have no responsibilities like no kids or you're not married or anything and you're young, you got to go. You know, if they want you to, you know, be an intern in South Carolina and you got family down there, go do that internship. You know what I'm saying? Or if they want to hire you somewhere else, go. You know, yeah. you can always you can always make it back to where you're from, but you got to start somewhere. You know what I'm saying? You got to start somewhere and build that foundation. So I just tell people, man, get in where you fit in, you know? Yeah. You know? You said radio was a gift I never knew I had. When did you know you had that gift, though, exactly? Um... But I guess when I started doing it, I mean, like, like I, I, I've always been a good 
communicator, you know what I'm saying? I mean, that's just what we do, you know what I mean? And our family, not just in my family, but just growing up in Mount Corner, South Carolina, we would always crack jokes and, you know, we'd always give our opinions about things. And it wasn't yeah. even it wasn't even something that I thought I would ever get credit for. I just thought that's the way life was. You know what I'm saying? I just thought you were supposed to give your honest opinions about things. And I remember a program director earlier on in my career told me that I'm too opinionated. Yeah. You know, and I, I, I didn't even realize that was a problem. I'm like, there's such thing as being too opinionated? Like, you know, we see something on TV. If we like it, we talk about it. If we don't like it, we talk about it. You know what I mean? Yeah, back then they were firing you or yelling at you because you were too opinionated, but now you're almost praised for it. Isn't that funny? Like, when you're hot... It's the funniest thing in the world, man. I mean, it's just... It was even funnier to imagine if I would have, you know, actually said to myself, you know what, I need to you know, start being more like this and stop being me, yeah. you know, in order for me to keep a job. But I always felt like, man, God knows what he's doing. You know, God God got a plan for me. You know, I'm, I'm not doing anything wrong. I'm not doing anything in malice. I'm not, you know, getting on the radio and, you know, like 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 trying to destroy people. You know what I mean? I'm just giving my objective opinion, yeah. you know, my objective unbiased opinion. And, you know, I mean, it's it's, it's gotten me to this point. So why? So okay. So some dreams are attainable, some are not. Why didn't it work out for Dizzy Van Winkle on his rap career? Because that wasn't my dream. You know, I tell a lot of rappers all the time, man. Like, you be thinking it's your dream, but it's not your dream. It's just what you saw working for somebody else. And I think, especially in the African American community, man, you know, we all chase two two types of dreams. We all chase the entertainment dream, and we all want to be in athletics. So it's like, so it's like, hold on. So it's like, you know, when it comes to entertainment and athletics, those are the two things that we, we, we all want to do because that's what we see people that look like us being prosperous, prospering at. So it's yeah. like we, all, we all go try to chase those dreams. We want to go play football. We want to play basketball. We want to do music. But, yo, those are not our dreams. Yeah. Everybody's not meant to do that. You know what I'm saying? That's not your dream. What is your dream? What is it that you're here to do? Well, I wasn't here, I wasn't here to rap. You know, I remember getting the tattoo... I got a tattoo on my arm right now of Wolverine from the X-Men holding a microphone in his hand. And yeah. little did I little did I know, I was thinking that signified, you know, me getting that symbolized me, you know, wanting to be a rapper. But the no, the, I had a, the microphone was the radio microphone. Yeah. You know what I mean? That's a jailhouse tat, and that was, that's the healer right there, you know? Yeah. But uh, I'm white, though. I'm not, you know what I mean? I'm not racist. I'm not black. But the two dreams for white people, I guess, are being accountants and uh, cops. And I don't want to follow those dreams, you know? So <laughs> I, I know if radio's me or not, you know? But you also talk about coming from a socially awkward generation on social media. What if you're naturally socially awkward? Like, I'm not, like, great in the club or bar, but, like, I could interview my idol or favorite rapper for an hour and, and not, you know what I mean, ask question after question. I'm kind of like Karen Civilshy with this. Like, you know how you talk that's, about well, that's, well, that's cool, because you're a fan. I'm a fan, too. You know what I'm saying? And I think, to, to me, fans make the best interviewers. You know what I mean? Like, because we're asking the questions from a fan perspective. When you're a true fan, and you follow the artist, and you study your artist, and you know an artist's music, you know an artist's background, you know the questions, the right questions to ask, because you're asking questions from a fan perspective. And not only that, the reason you said that you're able to talk to uh, or your favorite artist for an hour. It's not that you're able to talk to them for an hour. It's you're able to listen to them for an hour. It's a yeah. difference. See, a lot of interviewers don't listen. See, I'm a listener. 
I, like, yeah. like a lot of interviewers, I have 20 questions, and all they want to do is get through those 20 questions. But the yeah. truth about it is, if you ask me a question, if I ask an artist a question, and an artist answers me, if I'm listening, I'm probably going to get something else out of his answer that I want to ask him. And that's what a conversation is all about. So it's always good to be a fan. You don't never want to lose that, you know, fan yeah. perspective. The best interviewers in me are, are fans. Yeah, and also it's crazy because I think I have, like, that motivation because I was like Eminem in the back of the classroom, not talking to any girls, not doing anything. It took me five years to graduate. I wasn't even paying attention, and I was, like, awkward as shit. But at the same time, if I go out somewhere, I'm the guy having that hour-long conversation or listening to someone that I want to know information about. And it's weird because you always say, like, social media, social awkward generation is definitely true. Like, I'm just awkward before that, even before the social media and whatnot. But, like, I know I am, and I keep my but, 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 but that's cool though I mean like I always tell people man if you live your truth nobody can use your truth against you so it's like the, 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 the key to life is man when you know your faults you can correct them and I'm not even saying being socially awkward is a fault it's just something that you have to work through you know what I mean like that's just that's just the way it is I'm, I'm talking about these kids that all they know is the internet you know what I'm saying these kids that you know all they do is sit around and tweet and Facebook and Instagram all day, but in 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 in, in, in public, you won't even know they, they're there. Yeah, when I'm on air, I always think about that last freestyle scene in Eight Mile where Eminem just distances himself before anyone else gets the chance. So I think that's a great example. Living your truth. Yeah, live your truth, so nobody can use your truth against you. Yeah. So giving your life to the public and speaking your mind is a great thing, but at the same time, there is a limit and you line you can cross. Like, look at Eminem and Howard Stern. Both of them have regrets about giving too much of their life to the public. Why do why you think they have regrets? I don't know, but Eminem did drugs and Howard Stern does a therapy three days a week, and obviously they said in interviews before their biggest regrets was giving too much of their life to the public. I was asking you that. You don't really um, give to the public, like you keep family out of it and whatnot, but you say, you share some funny stories or talk about industry tricks and whatnot. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I get it, you know what I'm saying? Like, cause a lot of times, man, uh, the people that are around you don't ask to be involved in this lifestyle, you know yeah. what I'm saying? So it's like, yo, when you when, when, when you start, like, hold on a second, uh, when you're an Eminem or a Howard Stern and you know, you're involving people, you know, uh, via your truth. When you're involving other people, those people can get upset. I mean, those, that's that's the thing that I've ran into. Like yeah, people, in my, people in my personal life, like, yo, why would you put that out there? You know, that's that's me. That's not you. You know what I'm saying? Like, 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 they'll say they'll say that's you. That's not me. Like, you're the one that's always, you know, talking about yourself and stuff. I don't want to be involved with that. So that's what yeah. I, that's, that, those are the things that I've ran into. Yeah. Um, they both got divorced and they both had like crimes, you know. Yeah, but I mean, you got you got to talk about that kind of stuff. Like, yo, it's impossible. It's impossible to be a conveyor, an orator, you know, a person that actually writes music or goes on the radio every day. If you're a really honest person, it's impossible to not talk about that kind of stuff. Like, yeah. how are you going to, the listeners are hearing your voice that something is wrong. And in the back of your mind, I know as far as, for me, the personality type of personality I am, I couldn't be able to do nothing else if I didn't talk about that. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, I, I couldn't get on the radio and talk about what everybody else is going through if if, if I know I got that going on in my life. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's, well, just like that day, it's just like that day when I was walking into the radio station and those guys tried to jump me. Like, I had, yeah. to, go on the, I had to go on the air and immediately talk about that. 
because it was it was weighing heavy on my mind. You know what I'm saying? So I had to bring the listeners into what I was feeling. Yeah, yeah. But a lot of times, like I feel like I'm holding back because I'm on a college radio station and I'm due to this. I don't want I don't want to give out my whole life to the public. But sometimes my best work is when I'm just have no filter and I'm talking how it is, and my co-host is dying laughing or disagreeing. I mean, but, 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 but what are you waiting on? I mean, if you know you're, you're saying you don't want to give your life to the public, like you don't no. wait till you get on radio no. on Power 105 to do that. You know what I'm saying? That starts where you at now. Like I didn't, I didn't just start being Charlemagne. I, I am Charlemagne. That's who I am. You know what I mean? That's my natural personality. So it's like when you hear me tell these stories now and they sound so natural and so fluid, it's because I've told these stories a million times in a million different settings. And the radio is no different. It's just another setting that I'm telling my story. I, I, I'm just, I, that's who I am too. But sometimes, I don't know, people, it's hard. Like, some girls don't want to hear it. I, I know, it's who gives a shit what people think. But sometimes it's like, I don't know, you, you kind of have like, not an image to uphold, but just try nah, to. Nah, man. Your image is you. That's the problem. There is no image. You are your image. You are you. There is no image. You When you look in the mirror, you see your image back. So you are your image. You know what I'm saying? So, yeah, back to your original point. Who gives a shit? Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Live your truth, man. Always live your truth. Always so, live your honest truth. Let's get back. I got some good questions. How do you take the negatives and turn them into positives so well? You went from selling crack, from being in jail, being fired four times, four different stations, to being on one of the highest rated morning shows and top radio personalities in radio and in hip hop. What's the question? Uh, how do you take the negatives and turn them into positives so well? Oh, I mean, listen, man, I, have, I, have a, I have a philosophy. It's just my personal philosophy. Like, there's no such thing as a good or bad experience. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's, it's just all part of the process. And you have to trust the process. You yeah. know, I'm the, I'm the type of person, if I'm doing something negative, I know I'm going to get something negative in return. That's just the way life works. That's karma. Like- there's no way around it. You get back what you put out. So when I was doing all of those negative things in the streets, I knew that it was going to be negative consequences. My father used to tell me all the time. My father used to say, yo, if you don't stop what you're doing, you're going to end up in jail or dead or, or broke under the tree somewhere. And that's just yeah. the truth to the matter. So it's like, yo, in order to change your life, you have to change your lifestyle. So once I changed my lifestyle and I was trying to, I was striving to be a better person you know, striving to be a better individual, and I know that I was putting the right things out there in the universe. When those quote-unquote negative things started happening to me, like when I got into the radio game, and I was really focused on my radio hustle, and you know, I was getting fired and stuff like that. I never, I never, I knew it wasn't me. I just knew it was part of the process. I knew it was all to get me to this point. There's only one time that I know I got fired that I was being taught a real valuable lesson, and that's when I, I had my first full-time job. At uh, in, in Charleston, South Carolina, on High 98.9, I was doing seven to midnight, and you know I, I, that's my hometown. I'm from Most Corner, which is 15, 20 minutes from Charleston. I'm born in Charleston, so you know we'd yeah. be going to we'd be going to the clubs 10 and 15 feet. Plus, a, a lot of us were still hustling, so we had to fly cars. You know, I'd always have chicks around, and I remember. Yeah. I, I heard remember that. One, yeah, I remember. That, yeah, that one that story that particular time, I I met this chick at a, at a club. And she was like, she's going to do whatever I, I, I tell her to do. Yeah, this and, sounds old. I heard this one. Yeah, it's a, true, it's a true story. So it's like, that's what happened. And I mean, that, 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 like, when, I, when I got taken out of that position, I knew that I got taken out, I got fired because I was misusing the, the power that I had in that position. 
that's crazy. So uh, you're on a, you're you're doing well now. Congratulations and whatnot. What about the lowest point in your radio career? Like for the people who are out there trying to make ends meet and live in their dreams right now, what was like the lowest point of your career? Um. I mean, I, I I don't think there was any lower points, but I mean, like you know, when I got when I got laid off from Wendy Williams' show in 2008, that was a trying time because I had just my daughter was born in June of 2008, and I got laid off like November 1st, and um, I didn't I wasn't collecting any unemployment or nothing. Mm-hmm. I was just basically, I was just basically going with the flow, going off the little savings I had, and you know that was a little trying time, you know. Uh, almost, almost got evicted out of my apartment, but then just in the nick of time, I got a uh, a job offer to do my own morning show in Philadelphia, and I yep. went and did that, and then I got fired from there. And then that that whole year, it, it, it was it was a trying time because I was like, that's when I, I wasn't conf- I was kind of confused, not not all the way confused, but I was like, okay, what now? You yeah. know, like if I knew something greater was coming. I just didn't know what it was, and I really thought that was my, I thought that was the one. I thought that morning show in Philly was going to really take me where I wanted to go, which was because which, I always wanted to be back. I always wanted to do radio in New York. I always wanted to do my own morning show in New York. So I thought that was going to be my, my my gateway to that. And, I mean, it was in a lot of ways. It just didn't go the way I, I, I thought it was going to go. <laughs> Philly, I think that was, we did very well on that show. Thank you. But, uh, is it true, speaking of, we just talked about the name, but let's turn it to positives. Uh, is it true the Breakfast Club, before it even existed, you told Angela, Angela Ye, that you two would have the morning show on uh, Power one day? Absolutely. I told her, um, let me see when this was. 2009, I believe. Yeah, it was, it was like late 09. It was like December, it was like November, December of 2009, and we had just shot a, a, a pilot. Terrence J. Terrence J. Was, was 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 executive producing a pilot for us. It was me, Angela E. and Little Duval, and it was like a it was like an ESPN first take. You yeah. Know, when we discussed pop culture, and um, I remember we was out, we was just eating in a restaurant, and I remember telling Angela, I said, Yo, one day, me and you are gonna do mornings on Power 105 in New York. That's and, crazy. And she said, You think so? She said, I never did, and I didn't even have a radio job at the time, and she was on satellite. And she goes, I never did terrestrial radio. I said, watch, mark my words. One day, me and you are going to do morning on Power 105 in New York. And she was like, you think they'd ever get rid of Ed Lovell? You know, Ed Lovell's like an institution. I said, yo, I don't know how it's going to happen. But one day, me and you are going to do morning on Power 105 in New York. That's crazy. So how does one master the law of attraction? Because it's hard to completely eliminate negativity from your thoughts in life. How did you master the law of attraction and make your thoughts productive actions? I mean, I tell people all the time, man, the things that you want to happen in your life, you constantly think about. The things that you don't want to happen in your life, you don't think about it at all. You know, and I mean, of course, you know, negative thoughts are going to pop up in your head, but you just got to push them out, push them away and, and, and fill them up with positive thoughts. And truth to the matter is, when you're really doing a lot of positive things and, you know, you don't you don't have an idle mind, because idle mind is the devil's playground, when you don't have an idle mind and you're really just doing a lot of positive things and you're just constantly striving for perfection and pushing, you won't be thinking about the negativity. Mm-hmm. The uh, negativity won't even be a thought. So, uh, since you're getting married or, or wiped up now, any groupies you do get, can you give them to me? Uh, absolutely. You can have them all. Ready to retire your penis or is she allowing you to be with multiple women? Um, I mean, 
Nah, of course not. No woman, no woman gonna let you be with multiple women. You know what I'm saying? It's just like no. You know, I, I just I just think I just think you know monogamy is not natural. You know, it's it's a, it's a it's a more of a learned behavior. It's more something that you have to condition yourself to be. But I'm gonna tell you some real shit. Yeah. When you're when you're really working, and you know you're really focused on something, you're not thinking about that shit really. You know what yeah. I'm saying? It's like it's like yeah. it's, it's almost like not only is it a distraction, you be scared. You be scared to death of chicks. You know what I'm saying? Because you don't know chicks' motives anymore. Like, like like chicks don't want you. They want what's attached to you. You know what I mean? They want who they think you are. You know what I mean? So it's like. You know, you don't want to risk getting one of these chicks pregnant or risk one of these chicks calling rape or anything. Because girls are just crazy nowadays. You know yeah. what I mean? So it's like you kind of you kind of avoid all of that anyway. It's actually funny you said that. Like, I'm not shit. Like, I'm not anybody. But I interviewed uh, Angela a couple weeks ago and I put it on Instagram. And some girl, I hung out with her and she was, like, trying to give me the pussy because of it. Wow. Isn't that crazy? Imagine what, imagine what we go through. I know we could do some work. What did you? I mean, you you ran these streets pretty well, though. I mean, what if, what if your wife? What if Tahiri and Rihanna want to have a threesome? Would your wife allow that? I mean, I would have to. I would have to take that out. I would have to do that and just be like, look, I couldn't turn such a great opportunity down. Yeah, that's a good opportunity. I'm not married yet, though. Let's be clear, I'm not married yet. Yeah, that's coming. Yeah, it's coming. Got it though soon. You know, you had a good run. Had a great run. But uh, what was one of the best times you had with a celebrity or artist? Was it with Rihanna smoking weed in Los Angeles? That was a great time, man. You know, I've had a, you know, it's funny because I don't really hang out with a lot of celebrities and whatnot, but um, the celebrities I do end up kicking it with, I'm, it's funny how energies attract. Like, we're, we're, we're usually really cool. Like, like Tyrese is a really good friend of mine, you know, and, um, you know, that, that, that happened real organically. Me and him ran into each other in a club and, um, in Arizona. Of all places, and I didn't even know he go. He goes out there to record. Like he he, he has this big mansion, and he has all these people in there writing and producing. And, you know, we 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 kicked it heavy one night, and that's my guy. And that was a really good night. Um, the night with Rihanna was a great night because that happened so so randomly and out the blue. And, and you know, put it like Rihanna is just as cool as every as, as she seems to be. Yeah, it's not it's not it's not a that's not an image with her. That's really her, and I and I respect her being so authentic. Um, that's about it, really. I don't really do the celebrity one-two thing like that, man. You know what I'm saying? Like, that ain't really my steeds. I'm not, you know, uh, Wendy Williams told me a long time ago, she said, gee, he's of the people of the industry. And a lot of times when you start getting all chummy-chummy with these celebrities and being their friend, you know, when, when, when stuff happens involving them, you're not giving your real opinions. You know what I mean? Yeah. You know, a lot of people get caught up in that. They get caught up in not giving their real opinions, and I don't. I, I never want that to be me. So I kind of like keep my distance from this. I was, was going to cut you off and say that, but I don't want to be extremely creepy. I, I researched your shit a lot. You know, we already did. I already did a project on you in college last year. I don't know if you remember. I think I remember you sent me the paper, right? I'm the annoying white guy who keeps uh, who will email you randomly. <laughs> <laughs> nah, it's all good. All right, so most awkward or random interview you conducted, like any good stories leading up to the interview, like you got in a fight with someone before or you had sex with some girl before. Dr. Oz and that six chat house was so random on that on the show. Yeah, that was that was random. That was, he was in the building, actually, so we had to run him down and chase him down to come get him. But um, 
Because they don't know what we're gonna ask, but I hate, I hate when they they say that. Like I didn't know what you was gonna ask me. Of course you do. You read the blog. You know what I'm saying? You know what's out there about you. So, I, so, so I don't I don't I don't understand why you'd be like I, I didn't know what you was gonna ask me. I don't I don't know what they expect me to pull out of my hat. Yeah, I'm not like awkward for you though. I know you probably don't get awkward too often. Well, if you do, you, you play it off like you don't. But uh, but like awkward interview for you. Like you got someone up there who wanted to fight you. Like say Buster Rhymes is up there. Nah, nobody, nobody's ever gotten to that point. Um, I mean, the only, the only two interviews I remember that I felt like were very awkward were, uh, was, was Chief Chief. Yeah, and it, it, it was, it was an awkward for me. It was just like, yo, he wasn't ready. Like he's not that type of artist. He's not an interview artist. Like you know, he just ain't ready. So I, I didn't like that interview, but I didn't like Paul Mooney. That's like we didn't air that. We didn't air it. I'll post that online. <laughs> only because Paul was like. He just came off very negative, you know what I mean? Very hateful, very, very racist to a, to an extent, you know what I mean? And like, I'm, I'm the type of person, I'm a, I like to live in a, a prejudice-free society, you know what I mean? And even, I, that, that's, that's what I strive for. I like, I like being around people who don't judge people, you know, based on their race or their religion or their gender or their sexuality or their, or their class. They just, they just judge them based on the content of their characters. So I didn't really like Paul Mooney's character. Yeah, I, well, I liked the uh, Mark Echo interview. I think you. Uh, I think I learned a lot from that one. I bought the book because of it. Oh, I love Mark Echo's interview. Uh, me too. I, the book. The book was amazing. And labeled was amazing. Amazing piece of work. Yeah. What um? What had you most starstruck or shook? You probably don't get starstruck or shook, but Jay Z or Prince. Those are two legends, and you interviewed both of them. Yeah, I mean, see. It, that with the legends, you know what I'm saying? It's like, and at the end of the day, he's still a man, like I'm a man. But you know, these guys, man, a lot of these guys don't even realize they provided the soundtrack to our lives. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? Like when I meet Jay Z, it's an honor. When I meet a Fat Joe, when I meet a Ja Rule and a Herb, like it's an honor to me. Like I don't care about you know where where they're at now with their careers. You know what I'm saying? Goody Mob, Master P. I don't care about, you know, what people say, oh, those guys aren't relevant now. No, you guys provided the soundtrack to my life, though. You know what I'm saying? Like, I, I enjoy sitting down and having a conversation with them. So it's almost like I say, it's nothing wrong with being a fan. But I still have to remember I'm a journalist at the end of the day, but I'm still, I, I have the, the ultimate dream because I'm the everyday fan that gets to talk to these people that he grew up on. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? And you're getting paid. Yeah, my, my my passion is my paycheck. So is it is it uh, passion over profit? Is it passion over profit? Or is it is it a combination of both? Nah, it's always been passion over profit. I mean, that's what radio is. Radio is a passion job. I didn't make no money when I was in South Carolina. Yeah. None. I mean, my my first full time job, I made nineteen thousand dollars a year, and I was doing that was Monday through Friday, seven to midnight. I mean, you know, in Philadelphia, I think I was making. Eighty thousand dollars a year. You That's know? And when I when I was working with Wendy after you know, I, I worked for Wendy for a year and a half for free. And then when yeah. WBLS did put me on payroll, I was making like seventy thousand dollars. You know, now I make a great six figure salary. 
to do radio at Power 105, and I make six figures to work at MTV. But I, I feel like the reason I'm I'm making that money now is because I never did it for the money. It was always passion over profit, and it will always continue to be passion over profit, man. Because you got to do the work. Once you do the work, everything else will fall into place. Like I, I always use the analogy from Belly when the two little young kids were sitting there when DMX and Nas were bagging up and he was like, yo, we ready to get money with y'all, niggas, man. You ready to go out there and get money with y'all? And DMX and Nas was like, well, DMX was like, yeah, put the weed in the bag first. And that's the yeah. truth. You, you got to bag up first, man. Make sure you got good product. I, I, I've been putting out good product consistently for a while now. So now I'm starting to get rewarded for it. You you get paid probably like the highest. I mean, well, not everyone, but uh, you and you and LA market are the top probably markets. A lot of people like Ke- like Kevin Arizona, or other people aren't or like you know what I mean. Other artists, other radio personalities aren't getting paid as much because they're not the biggest markets. Like you, you're blessed to be in the New York market as well. Blessed, man. Blessed, blessed, and highly favored. Say that again. Thank you, God. What do you What do you think about the future of radio, though? Say if like five, ten years from now, it's not going to be as you know what I mean. The pay is not going to be as high and. Uh, I feel like the overall radio might be going downhill in the future. What do you think? Nah, man, radio's not going anywhere. Radio's not going anywhere because it's a free medium. You know, it's 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 it's, it's the only free medium, and and it still has the biggest reach of anything out there. You know, I love iHeartRadio, but you think, especially here at Clear Channel, what we're doing is we're making everything all inclusive. You know, yeah, know. You, you can listen. We're Clear Channel Media and Entertainment. You know what I'm saying? You can listen to us on iHeart. You can. You know, you can go online and see our interviews. You can go online and stream us live. You know, you'll be able to watch us on Revolt TV in March. You know, so it's like we're coming to y'all. You know what I'm saying? So, 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 so being that we're coming to y'all, we're going to keep bringing people back to us. You know what I mean? Because when the Breakfast Club pops up, it's, it's too easy. When you jump in your car anywhere in the country and you can just turn on, you know, your local radio station and hear the Breakfast Club, why wouldn't you? Especially if you're used to listening to us on iHeart or seeing us on Revolt or, you know, watching our clips online. It's yeah. nothing easier than just turning on the radio and turning on 105.1 in uh, New York or 103.5 to beat in Miami. It's, 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 it's easy. It's too easy. I told Angela, I think the Carmen, the Carmen Loop deal helped you out, too, and uh, how you guys put your videos online is definitely a big key for blogs and uh website and whatnot. Well, we was doing that before Karma Loop. I mean, that's why Karma Loop came to us to do this deal because we all, all, we've been doing that since 2010. Like, the first thing we did collectively, me, Angela, and Envy, was shoot a webisode for online. And the reason we did that is because, uh, you know, if you watched us individually in our careers, Envy would always put up his interviews when he was on Sirius. Angela would always put up her interviews when she was on Series 45. I would always put up my interviews when I was on 100.3 to beat in the film. So, you know, it was nothing new for us. All we did was come together collectively and take it to another level. Like, you know, as, as technology grew, we grew with it. Exactly. Um, all right, let's talk about the Kanye interview. we got to get up to that. Uh, how was the prep for that? Was his circle, like, really a bunch of losers off air? And was it all love, or was he bitter prior and after the interview? Um, no, I mean, at, at the end of the interview, he was just like, yo, uh, he just said, like, his, his, his tactic was to not look me in the eye. But, yeah, his crew, man, the crew he had with him was a bunch of lanes, man. Them guys are lanes, like super lame ducks. Like, they was, like it was it was one point where they couldn't even hear the interview outside because they were standing outside the studio, but they was looking through the glass. So when Kanye would laugh, they would laugh. And when Kanye would look serious, they would look serious. And to me, I just thought that was the biggest D-riding they could ever do because you can't even hear the interview. 
Yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like that. Yeah, I don't, I don't want people like that around me, man. The looks but, that he were amazing. When you said Jesus was whack, he held back so bad, he probably had to go to therapy after that. Well, I mean, I don't know why he was holding back. Like, I mean, it bugged me out, like, when he was saying stuff like, yo, this is what Charlemagne wanted. Like, I didn't want him to yell and scream and spaz out We're when definitely... he was at the Breakfast Club. I wanted him to answer the questions. I really, that, that, that once again, that's a fan. I'm a fan. been a fan of Kanye West since day one. So I'm asking questions from a fan. What happened to our guy? Yeah. You know what I'm saying? He, you, he said on All Falls Down, they made me, they made us hate, hate ourselves and love their wealth. But yeah. now you become the guy that loves the wealth too. I miss old Kanye where he would just still pick up lines and songs and be goofy and funny. And now it's like he's a contradiction, as you said. Exactly. Like that hurt. That's a hurtful feeling to a fan. So I'm like, my whole thing was, where's our guy? I didn't want him to yell and scream and spaz out like he did on Sway. I wanted to know genuinely, where is our guy? Did you think he evolved the wrong way? Did I think he what? Did he evolve as an artist the wrong way? Oh, yeah. I mean, no, not, no, I think he evolved as a man the wrong way. I don't even think it has anything to do with him, with him being an artist because, you know, when you say art, art is just a reflection of life. So Kanye just evolved as a man the wrong way. Like, he just... He's not about what he used to be about. You know, that, that revolution, that real revolutionary spirit in him that was for the people, I don't see that anymore. I see I see somebody that's fighting for the rights of the rich. Yeah. You know what I mean? And I, I think he's evolved as a human being the wrong way. He forgot what's important. Were you excited for that interview? Do you think in, in any way he was intimidated by you? Because, like, he, he freaked out on Sway's show because he knew Sway, but he didn't freak out with you because he didn't know you that well, he said. I mean, I don't get it. To be honest with you, I don't get excited for any interview. You know, it's just that I know what I'm going to do. I know what I'm going to say. I know how I'm going to approach it. It's all about an approach. It's like, oh, Kanye West is coming. Great. I can't wait to talk to him about this, this, and this. Oh, JV's coming. I can't wait to ask him this, this, and this. You know what yeah. I'm saying? Like, like, the questions I asked JV, man, those are questions that we've been asking in the hood for years. Those have been those have been conversation pieces in the hood for years. Oh, Jay Z stole Young Chris's flow. Oh, would Jay Z be here if Biggie was alive? You know what I'm saying? Like those are things that we've been waiting to ask Jay Z forever. Those are things we've been talking about forever. So there's no resentment for to Jay Z because he kind of got you fired him in the label with the Benny Siegel interview. Nah, man. I mean, I don't. I don't know if that's truly the case, but I don't have any resentment for that. Why? Like I said, you got to trust the process. It's all part of the process. You know, it, it, it makes it makes my story greater. Yeah. And so it's, it's like when Wendy, it's like when Diddy allegedly got Wendy fired. Yeah. You know what I mean? From Hot 97 back in the day. Like, yeah, add that to my story. Why not? Because you know, you're, you're only as good as your last performance, man. And you know, that Beanie Siegel interview was a very impactful interview. I'm surprised Envy, he went light-skinned. He, uh, he came at Jay right in the beginning of the interview with a little, uh, not really anything great, but it was funny what he said. Don't get Charlamagne fired this time. That was funny. Yeah, I thought it was good. But he didn't really say much about it, Hope. He was there to promote his album, and it, it kind of, like, you know what I mean? It kind of flew over his head. Like Jay, 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 nah, Jay-Z one of those people, man, what's understood don't need to be said. Yeah. You know what I mean? He ain't gonna talk about the body he dumped in the river. Yeah. 
So Kanye and Gucci, they make me feel normal in comparison. Who do you think is worse mentally off? Gucci had you shook, don't lie. Nah, that was, I mean, like, listen, man, at the end of the day, there's a lot of theater of the mind that goes in the radio. So when you see, when you see us move in a certain way, trust me, that we, 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 we choreographed that. You know what I mean? I, th- I thought, to me, that was the best way to approach the interview. Let's approach yeah. the interview. You got the boogeyman of hip-hop in here, Gucci man. That's so let's, ap- let's approach it like that. Let's really, let's give the people that. Let's have the people listening at home. Let them be on edge listening to this. You know what I mean? Like, oh, my God, maybe he'll snap. We don't know if he'll snap, whatever, whatever. You know, so, to me, to me, that was that was great radio. Yeah, it was. So, in a way, you're yourself on air, but it's like a souped-up version, and you, you kind of... You're there to excite the artists and amplify them up and, like, you know well, what I mean? Well, I'm myself all the time, but you also have to know that, yo, we're entertaining. We're entertainers, too. You know what I'm saying? So it's like a situation like that. It's certain situations, like, a situation like Gucci, of course. Let's make this as entertaining as possible. This is Gucci Man. Gucci Man is a character. You know yeah. what I'm saying? So let's, so let's play into his character. Yeah. And what do you what do you think about the uh, Kanye and Drake bromance? The people still waiting on the uh, Drake Breakfast Club interview. That would be fr- that would be great. Eh, it'll never happen. Why you saw? Yeah, I, I just I just don't think he'd want to come in there and put it like this, man. And I ain't, I'm not mad at him for this. If you know somebody doesn't dig what you do, could put it. I think Drake is super talented as a rapper. When he raps, ain't nobody better. I don't like when he does all the singing shit, but that's just my personal opinion. But if you know somebody feels like that, and you know somebody's gonna, you know. Come at you for certain things. I, I'm not mad at him for avoiding that. Mm. I'm not mad at him at all. What do you think uh, the top hip hop albums of 2013 are? Your list. Jesus, nothing was the same. I'm playing with you on the one. Oh. Nah, my top five. Well, I, I got a little bit more than the top five. But my favorite joints this year was um, Killer Mike and LP, Run the Jewels, mm. um, Pusha T, My Name Is My Name, Wale the Gifted. Uh, J. Cole, Born Center, uh, Mac Miller, Watch a Movie with the Sound Off, and uh, Juicy J, Stay Tripping, and uh, Troy Ass, New York City, the album. Those are my those are my personal favorite. What about albums this year? About Gambino, you don't really like that kind of rap. I I haven't heard it, man. You know what's funny, man? My homegirl Melanie Iglesias, she loves him. Like she yeah, listens yeah. to him all the time. Like when we're taping Guy Code and Girl Code and stuff, she's always playing his stuff. But I just I just ain't really sat down and like got into it. Yeah, let's talk about Guy Code and your uh, your show coming up January fifteenth. Get a little bit about that. Well, you know, Charlemagne and friends. You know what I mean? It's my political. It's all my politically incorrect views and potentially dangerous rhetoric. And um, you know, if you saw the sneak peek that MTV had on for a week back in August, it was <laughs> great. And you know, I'm 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 blessed, man. Blessed and highly favored and privileged to have a chance to come back for a full season and I mean it's just more communication like I like to communicate with the people I'm a communicator you yeah. know so so it's like radio I love getting on the radio every day and communicating TV yeah. I'm a love I, I'm a love getting on television and communicating my views like it's different from guy code because guy code girl code we're really giving people tips on how to be men you know yeah. and, and women but Charlemagne and friends is is me you know what I'm saying? This is me, my views. How I feel about certain things is, you know. Yeah, what are you, what are you doing tonight for uh, in New York City? Are you doing something with MTV? 
Yeah, I'm hosting the uh, the ball dropping uh, live from MTV starting at 10 p.m. tonight. So I'll be on MTV Live starting at 10 p.m. Me and uh, Carly Aquilino. Yeah. Melian and Glacius and Lisa Ramos, man, those they are they got women crush Wednesday all over them. <laughs> yeah, man, but you know what, man? If you if you actually knew them, you'd love them even more, man. Two of the coolest chicks I ever met in my life. So you safe to say you're in the friend zone with them? Oh yeah, without question. They're my they're my dogs. They're, my, they're like my little sisters right there. Do you mind being in the friend zone with girls? Because I'm I'm the general of the friend zone. You're the general of the hood. I'm the general of the friend zone. Nah, it's nothing wrong with that. You know what I'm saying? I think that. You know, you can learn a lot from females, man. You know what I mean? And, 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 you know, when you need to call somebody and get good advice on, you know, how to take care of your significant other or a woman that you're dealing with, they're the best people to call. So, is there any way of finding out if a girl has an STD before even hooking up with her? Yeah, you got to do the earwax test. You, you dig in your ear, put a little earwax on your finger, stick it up her vagina, and if she jumps, she got something. <laughs> oh, my God. How do you uh, close on a girl? Shit, you close on a girl when you put your dick in her. Nah, I mean, you, you're at a bar talking to her or whatnot. How do you close? Oh, no, nah, listen, man. One thing people got to realize, there's no such thing as closing on a girl. Any When, when a girl gives you something, she already knows in her mind that she wanted to give you something. Yeah, you like, don't, don't, don't ever think that, that you know, you're, you're, you're manipulating her in some way to give up the drawers. She's just doing you a favor. You, um, you read the, the game by Neil Strauss, the pickup line, but I'm surprised you read that. Absolutely. I love that book. Great, great read. Do you think it's? Do you think that it's true that a lot of that stuff? Um. Yeah. Absolutely. You know, especially when you're dealing with like a pretty girl, and you know, you throw a lot of nags her way, and you, yeah. you, you you don't talk to her like every other guy talks to her, or you just treat her dead regular because she's not used to being treated like that. I definitely think ego kicks in with her, and she's like, well, "Why this dude ain't paying me no attention? Who the hell do you think he is?" Yeah. So when is your book coming out? Sometime next year. Still working on it. I'm working on it with my man Chris Moreau. Chris Monroe, he wrote uh, Russell Simmons' Super Rich, and he yeah. wrote Russell Simmons' Do You with Russell Simmons, and uh, he wrote Manology with Tyrese and Rev Run. So we just still working, man, you know? Can we get um, a title of the book or a chapter name? Uh, not, not yet. Soon. 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 I mean, I got the title already, but not yet. Soon. Before you go, I want to ask you about the Funk Flex thing, too, because I thought that was interesting. You brought it up. At the time when uh, Flex. Oh, okay. And when you're feuding with Flex, the can I get a job situation happened where you got set up and jumped. Smart move. I would done. I would have done the same. You said you felt like some some. You, you said if you felt like it was bound to happen at some point. Why did you think this overall karma or something? Yeah, I mean, listen. I mean, it's a more. It's, it's like whatever you're saying, what you what you want to say. Mm-hmm. You got to expect that you're not going to get the results back that you want. And I mean, it's just like yo. Eventually, somebody was going to try me. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's just, that's just the moral of the story. That's just the way the game works. So it's like, yo, you know, it, it, was, it was good to me because it, it, it made me realize, like, all right, I got to move differently. I can't, I'm not the same person anymore. You know what I mean? Like, I, I got to have security and people with me. It's just, you got, because when you're worth something, you got to protect it. Yeah. You see, so, Flex, what happens? Doing on good in contact or a quick mean mug and you're about your own business? I've never seen. I've seen him one time in my whole life. I've been in New York since 2006. How does that happen? I, I have no idea. I've seen him one time in my whole life. Mr. T, never seen him at all. Power and Hot 97. You guys, you say you never run into each other, but I feel like you gotta mm-hmm. run. I've never seen him. I, I, I've never seen him in my life. 
I run into a lot of them, the rest of them a lot, but I've never ran into him at all. How do you how do you feel about Peter Rosenberg? God bless him. I, I don't even to be honest with you, I don't even think about him. When you said his name, I thought about uh Eminem's manager at first. Oh, I just, I, yeah, I didn't even think. I was like, huh? But then I think about it, oh, like, oh, no. Nah, but, I mean, God bless him. I don't, I don't think about it. Not competition or beef? Uh, you guys aren't buddies or anything? Nah, man. I don't Listen, man, to be honest with you, I, I don't look at that as competition. I'm looking past that. Like, my competition is Ghost. My competition yeah. is Howard Stern and Wendy Williams and Petey Green and Frankie Crocker and Star and Buck and... You know, I'm, I'm, I want Elvis Duran, Ryan Seacrest, Steve Harvey. I want my name in. I want my name mentioned with those guys. Yeah, you want to be known. The white people. Yeah, I mean, I just want my name mentioned with the greats. Those are the greats to me. Yeah, so I'm not. You know, I'm, I'm looking past them. But uh, I, I wasn't gonna say this, but I had a. I swear, I had a dream that I was interviewing you and Peter Rosenberg in the same studio, like ten years from now, on radio. Nah. <laughs> you I never know. What? You never know. That's funny, though. Not like you were on the show. Like, you were the guest. You know, you were, like, some critically acclaimed radio personality, and so was he, and I was interviewing you guys. It was a weird dream. Dope. But, uh, you probably have to go, but I got Wendy Williams questions, too. Yeah, matter of fact, call, call me tomorrow at noon, and we'll finish up, because I got to get ready to get up out of here to go to Times Square. But call me tomorrow at noon, we'll finish up. Cool, thank you. And call me, call me again tomorrow at noon. I'll call you at noon. All right,